This is Otakunomics, the Otaku Business Podcast. I'm Anubis, I'm an entrepreneur and a business planning consultant, and I'm here to break down the hidden world of business behind anime. Now, what we're going to talk about this time around is I'm going to break down a couple of business models behind anime. One Western, one Eastern. And the reason I'm doing that is because business is such an integral part of anime that it's necessary to understand business models in order to understand anime. So, what I'm going to be breaking down are the Crunchyroll business model, or part of it at least, and the greater production committee business model that underlies most anime we care about. Now, one thing I want to emphasize is that I, what I don't want to do is pass judgment on either of these business models. I, I, my intention is to just state straight facts and make of it what you will. Because quite frankly, I don't have a problem with any either one of these business models. So, let's jump into it. Quite recently, there was a big uproar on Andy Twitter about anime piracy and the notion that if you care about anime, if you care about the animators, if you care about the studios and whatnot, you shouldn't pirate anime and you should instead stream it legally and whatnot. A lot of the responses were revolving around streaming and not buying merchandise, buying disc releases and whatnot. But what what that kind of kind of prompted me to think was so a while back I remember reading about the Crunchyroll business model, and it seems reasonable, but if we're looking from a perspective of supporting the anime industry here's there there are some things you should know about it and there's some things you should understand about the way that business model works so this is coming from a 2013 post on otakujournalist.com where lauren lauren orsini interviewed Kung Gao, the, I believe, former Crunchyroll of, C, former CEO of Crunchyroll. Uh, let me actually, let me actually check that because I don't want to be wrong. Uh, let's see. Yes, Kung Gao has moved to an advisory role on Crunchyroll. So the former CEO of Crunchyroll, Kung Gao, and this was in response to a separate blog post from around that time that posited that piracy was a a good all piracy was preferable to Crunchyroll as far as supporting the anime industry goes. And the intention of the the Lauren or C interview with Kun Gal was to kind of shed some light on the business model behind Crunchyroll and how it actually goes to support the anime industry. 
so as part of the interview, they actually went over how Crunchyroll determines where someone's proportional subscription money goes. This from the article. You vote with your views. Seventh Style's blog post assumes that Crunchyroll splits your subscription payment between all 400 plus shows it offers, but the reality is far more interesting than that. Quote, if you just watch, if you just watch Naruto, your subscription money goes towards supporting that show. If you watch more than one show, the money is split proportionately among those shows depending on which ones you watch the most, said Gao. So if you're watching Kill the Kill 75% of the time, and Golden Time the other 25%, that means Kill the Kill's publisher gets 25% of your money. On Crunchyroll, the more anime you watch, the more publishers you support. Now that's an interesting model and it makes sense. Because if you're watching this stuff and you're paying the subscription to ostensibly support these shows, you don't want that money going to shows you're not watching and shows you're not interested in. But if we're going to look at this from a stance of how are we supporting the anime industry, then it gets even more interesting. So regardless of where Crunchyroll's money is actually going, and we'll touch on that when we talk about the production committee business model, you can make an argument that the more different anime you watch on Crunchyroll, the less meaningful your contribution to the anime industry is. Because think about it. If you're watching Food Wars, and you're watching Boruto, and you're watching One Piece, and you're watching Dr. Stone, and each of these, each of these shows has a different production committee, and your, however much, it, however much a month gets split up between all of those shows, if you're the more anime you watch, the less each committee, the less each each production team gets from your uh, Crunchyroll subscription money. So when we when we make an argument that if we want to support the anime industry streaming is the way to go that very quickly breaks down if people are avid watchers of a lot of anime because at that point it's a you're giving a couple cents a month to a whole bunch of different a whole bunch of different production committees a whole bunch of different anime producers Now, this can definitely be intervened with things like buying discs, buying figures, buying merchandise, but that's not what people are talking about when they're talking about supporting the anime industry. They're talking about chiefly subscribing to Crunchyrolls of the world, the high dives in the world, and this is just to talk about Crunchyroll, because that's the only business model I'm familiar with. But, if we're... Just looking at Crunchyroll, you could make a very convincing argument that the more anime you watch on there, the less you're actually supporting the industry as far as giving a whole lot of money back to the the people who are producing anime. 
So, I'm going to take a quick break and we will be right back to talk about the Greater Production Committee business model. So, keep it right here. This is Otakonomics. This episode is brought to you in part by She's Lost Control Media. She's Lost Control Media is a business planning consultancy specializing in meeting the specific needs of artists, creators, and entrepreneurs in fandom spaces. Whether you're an artist looking to make a business of your craft, a content creator looking to make your content more than just a hobby, or a fan looking to take your fandom to the next level, you can visit she'slostcontrol.media and we'll see how we can help you out. Okay, let's talk production committees. The majority of late night anime, which is most of the anime you care about, are created literally by committee. What happens is a bunch of companies get together and basically conspire to make what is, in essence, a long-form, highly creative infomercial for an existing product or property. That's why a lot of anime that come out are based on an existing manga or an existing light novel or an existing game. They're meant to advertise those properties and also make money in the long run. But they're also made to increase the popularity of whatever they're based off of. So, say I, say I had a game, or to, to put it very, very generally, you'll have the producer of the original pro, the original property. You'll have the TV station that is going to be aired on. You'll have some general merchandisers. You might even have some just general advertisers, like Pizza Hut was on the production committee for Code Geass, which is how a lot of Pizza Hut product placement got into the anime in Japan. So, you're going to have all those people, you're going to have the, the music production committees who are going to determine, determine the music in there, and they all get together and basically determine everything about the anime from the creative side to the business side only after all that is said and done does it get does it get farmed out to a studio and they give that studio a budget and then the studio makes the anime the anime studio is the the basically the last it, the last in the in line for the anime, and a lot of them aren't members of the production committees themselves. It's work for hire. They're they're given a contract, they're given a budget, and they make the anime. And as such, they're not necessarily entitled to a lot of the income coming from that anime after the fact. See, what happens is, when the production committee gets together... All those companies put up money to get this anime made. That's, that's marketing. That's hiring the studio. That's everything. So their intention is we're going to make a return on this investment. And the reason they're so, the reason so many companies get together is to distribute the risk so that if an anime fails, if if it flops, if it doesn't make a profit, if it doesn't break even, it doesn't kill whatever business put up the money for it. 
all, all the businesses involved lose a little bit of money. So, once all that's said and done, they hire the studio and the studio makes the anime. Now, the thing about anime is that the reason it, the reason anime as a product and, and the production committee business model as a business model works so well is because you got number one, it, anime has a lot of various revenue streams for the production committees. So if you're the, if you're responsible for the music, you're making some money off of the anime, but the anime is also advertising the music that you put in the anime, so you're selling that music as well. Same thing for the merchandisers, same thing for the general advertisers. You're making some money off of your investment in that anime, but you're also making money off of the anime, basically advertising your product. If you're the studio, you might get some money from the TV broadcast, though those are that's notoriously a a poor revenue stream you might get some money from the disc release you really might get some money from the merchandise the the revenue streams for studios are very limited and i i wouldn't be surprised if that's somewhat by design but that's also that's also just uh a product of the production committee business model and the fact that the people who put up the money for the anime in the first place are the are, are the big companies and a lot of studios can't really afford to do that it's sort of a it sort of creates a self-fulfilling prophecy where the studios don't make a whole lot of money as a result they don't have enough money to get get their own skin in the game with regard to investing in the production production of the anime in the first place. Kyoto Animation is one studio that is an exception to this rule. They have enough they have enough power to be able to sit on their own production committees and fund their own anime. Which is why Kiyoani when you see Kiyoani anime being made, it's number one. It it's of a high quality, but it's number one. Number two, it's what they want to make, and they're they're able to take liberties with the source material because they don't have uh they don't have the rest of the committee saying they can't do that and determining that for them. So, when it comes time to to divvy up the profits, a lot of that money goes back to the production committees because they put the money in. The second thing about anime is that while it might take a while, it has a very long revenue stream lifeline. So Serial Experiments Lane is one famous anime that took, I think, at least a decade to break even, but it did break even. So you can count on most anime to at least break even eventually, but it's a long revenue stream. So if you put money into it as a production committee member, if you put money into an anime, you can, you can be reasonably assured that you're going to be making money off that property for a very long time. 
so where this goes back to Crunchyroll in the, pre- in the previous segment is at some point the decision has to be made whether to license this show to other nations and who's going to handle that license when it gets to those other nations. There's no reason for this decision to be one for the studios because they're just work for hire. They don't really have, they don't really have the rights to the anime because it's not their thing. They're just making it. And you can make an argument of whether the fact that they're the ones doing the legwork and making the show might, should entitle them to a bigger cut of the determining what what happens with the show but that's that's a different story the fact is there's no reason for the studio to have any say in that and as a result there's no reason for any of that money to make it back to the studio because they don't have any say in that and it's not their skin in the game it's not their money on the line so when we talk about licensing in the US when we talk about supporting the anime industry through companies within the US licensing infrastructure it it's questionable how much of that money makes it back to the original creators and that's what a lot of people care about is supporting the people who did the legwork to make the anime the studios and the animators who actually put pen to paper and made the show they love so when we talk about supporting the anime industry it's important to understand the business models behind it because when you don't understand the business models you're vulnerable to your money being used where you don't want it to be used so people people will gladly take your money and you think they're doing something with it that they're fundamentally not doing and you, you can you can argue whether or not that's misleading you can argue whether or not people are being tricked but the fact of the matter is that unless unless anime fans fundamentally understand the business models behind the shows that they're that they like behind and behind the medium as a whole then we can't we're having half a conversation when we talk about supporting the industry because we can't fundamentally disagree on what the anime industry is and if we can't agree on that then it's going to get very very muddy when we talk about when we start talking about things like piracy when we start talking about things like supporting the industry when we start talking about things like say the anaplex of america business model of high price premium releases or when we talk about things like the funimation business model of lower price more mass market releases when we start talking about the marketing behind all this we can't have a real conversation about any of that and these are things that need to be discussed because they're important elements of how we experience anime over here so we can't start talking about that unless we understand the business models that underlie 
how anime works both here and in its origin country. So, with that, that's it for this episode of Otakunomics. You can find me on Twitter at T.E.Anubis and Iyashike on Twitter at Iyashike D-O-T-M-O-E. Thanks for listening.